So I'm going to pick up from where PD left off, and we will see that as we get towards the end of this message. I just want to plead with you to open up your heart and be expectant this morning. It is me standing here, but it is God who is doing the speaking. I am not here with my own word. And I'm not saying it because I'm the person delivering the word. But, you know, when God brings a word like this, it's because there's something he wants to do. So I want to plead with you this morning, give God your heart and let him do what he will do today. In Jesus' name. Today's topic is titled, A Pure Heart. A Pure Heart. And our text, our anchor scripture for the month based on um, the theme for this month, is still Isaiah 26, from verse 3 to 4. Isaiah 26, verses 3 to 4. says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusts in thee. Okay, the scripture is not up yet. Sorry, just give me a second. I'm going to pull it off on my phone. Okay, thank you. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You will keep Jennifer in perfect peace because her mind is stayed on you because she trusts in you. Verse 4. Then it, verse 4, it says, Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah the Lord is everlasting strength. In God is everlasting strength. We will come back to the scripture. But I want us to take off from the book of John, chapter 3, from verse 1 to 2. John, chapter, sorry, 1 John. 1 John, my bad. 1 John, chapter 3, from verse 1 to 3. Just a couple of truths that I want to point out there as the Spirit of God revealed them to me. And we will see how that kind of sort of ties into um, this whole mental health thing that, you know, we're talking about this month. The Bible says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. Some versions, they say son, but we'll break that down later. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Verse 2, it says, Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be like. But we know that when he is revealed to us, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. Okay. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. He being Christ. Everyone who hopes to see Christ, who hopes to have a revelation of Christ, must purify himself just as Christ himself is pure. Now, there are five truths, truths, not facts, truths that I want to point out from that message, as is, uh, from that passage, as the Spirit of God revealed to me. And as we have an understanding of this truth we need to have an understanding of this truth and then we'll be able to um, navigate into you know the, the 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 main part of this message or the main message for today which is a pure heart okay the first thing there is that God loves me God loves you and has made you his child okay God loves you and has made you his child. You are not an orphan. You are not an orphan. Ephesians chapter 1, 4 to 5. 
Ephesians 1, 4 to 5. He says, just as he, being God, has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having, excuse me, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the goodwill, according to the good pleasure of his will. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Now, if we look at 1 John chapter 3, um, verses 1 and 2, the word son, uh, children in that passage, using that passage, um, refers to tekna. Tekna meaning children. I'm just trying to call it out because King James would say sons. But every other version says children. And we will see why I'm emphasizing on this. It is important to note that we are children of God. Okay? Now, as, uh, the second truth that I would like us to know there is that as a child, I am bound to reason like a child. I am bound to think like a child. I am act, bound to act like a child. And yes, I am bound to misbehave like a child. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 and 12. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 and 12. I like that in the Amplified Version. 1 Corinthians 11 and 12. I want to read that from Amplified. Sorry, 1 Corinthians 13. I apologize. 13, 11 and 12. Paul said, when I was a child... It says, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now, in this time of imperfection, in this time of imperfection, in other words, as a child, you've not yet reached that stage of maturity. You've not gotten to that place where there's perfection. You are a child. There's no crime in being a child. There's no crime in being a child. You are bound to think, to reason, to act, to speak, to behave like a child. And that is okay. And that brings us into the third truth that the Spirit of God will have us know. God desires growth for you, for me, for everyone who is a child of God. God desires growth. That God desires that you grow from being a child to becoming a son. This is why I had to... I, I had to um, clarify that the, 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 the word children, or rather sons, used in KJV is not actually sons. The, the Hebrew, the Greek word is children. And what I'm trying to point out here is that we start off as children. We start off as children. But God does not desire, God desires that we grow from children to sons. We are not allowed, in this kingdom, we are not allowed to remain children for life you are bound to be cheated you are bound to to be to 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 not take advantage of what is available to you if you choose to remain a child in this kingdom first peter 2 2 the bible tells us desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby if paul sorry if peter if apostle peter did not think growth was important he would not have asked us to desire the milk of the word. It would have been a case of, oh, well, you're born again. You're a child of God. Life is good. We'll make heaven full stop. But there is so much, so much in God that God will not reveal to children. There is so much 
that God will not reveal to children. Has it occurred to any one of us why you look through history, you look at God's generals. In the time of those generals, there were other children of God. There were other people who believed in God. Why then is it that God could only reveal himself to those generals? Because they had paid the price to grow from becoming children to becoming sons. As children, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow, grow thereby. Hebrews 5, 12 to 14. Hebrews 5, 12 to 14. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. Verse 13. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. You do not give babies cars to drive. You do not give children cars to drive. There is a reason why God is calling us up to a higher place. Because there is so much more that God wants to do in us. There is so much more that God desires to reveal to us. But he can only do that when he sees growth. Okay? Now the fourth point. The fourth point, and I think it's... The last two points are actually very important. But the fourth point is, you know, one that really hits me every time I think about it. First John, uh, first John verse 3. The, uh, sorry, 1 John 3 verse 2. If you want to put that scripture up again. 1 John 3 2. The B part of that verse says, But when he is revealed, we shall be like him. When he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Now I want to pause here and say that, you know, um, scholars will tell us that this passage you know, it speaks to the coming of Christ. And it's true. It speaks to the coming of Christ. When Christ is revealed to us, when we are taken up to be with him, we will see him as he is. We will be like him. It's true. But there is another dimension that speaks to the revelation of Christ in the now that empowers us to be transformed because now we have seen him as he is. We are seeing him as he has been revealed to us. And then we have no choice but to become like him. 2 Corinthians 3.18, the Bible says, With unveiled faces, with unveiled faces, with unveiled faces. In other words, whatever it was that was blocking us, whatever it was that was obstructing our view, whatever it was that, you know, hindered us from seeing clearly, it says when it is removed, it says then we behold him. And it is him, when we behold him, that that process of transformation occurs. You cannot become what you have not seen. In the secular world, they tell you things like, you know, you need to, what's the word now? You need to visualize it, vision board, keep it in front of you, keep it before your face and blah, 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 and things like that. And that's, that's the truth. You cannot become what you have not seen. It is, only some, it is only when something has been revealed to you that you have an understanding of the operations of that thing. You have an understanding of the back end of that thing. And then you are able to begin to, you know, you know, position yourself to become like what you have seen. Okay? We are transformed only into the image that we see. So then, the question is, you know, being a child of God... Is there any point remaining a child of God? And I say, this, I say this carefully. This is not to say, 
well, um, you can stop being a child of God or you can go back to the world. No, that's not what I mean. I mean, you know, there should be that desire within us for more. There should be that desire within us for more. It's just like, you know, a, a human being having access to a transformer. You have a transformer that can power an estate or an entire city. And all you use that transformer for is to charge your phone. What, what, what ignorance, you know? And that's where the devil wants us to be. I say it again, that's where the devil wants us to be. Because when he keeps us there, then he's able to control us. He's able to manipulate us and make us think, you know, he, and make us, you know, turn the glory away from God. Or make us feel like God does not exist. God is not true. You know that what God promised to you. Well, it's not going to happen. See how the whole thing is happening now. You know, it, it, we have to see. We have to see the Christ if we will become, if we will become like him. Now, the fifth point here, and I think this is also very important. The key to this transformation that we will experience on this side of eternity is seen in verse 3. Verse 3 of 1 John chapter 3. Verse 3 of 1 John chapter 3. Everyone who has this hope in Christ purifies himself just as Christ is pure. Everyone who has this hope purifies himself just as Christ is pure. Now the question is why? What's, why? Why the need for purification? I'm clean. The Bible says, you know, if any man be in Christ is a new creature, all things are passed away, all things have become new. I'm clean. Right. But here's the thing to call out. And you can search the scripture. When you go back, pull out concordance. You know, pull it out, search it. A clean heart is not the same thing as a pure heart. A clean heart is not a pure heart. For every one of us here who is born again, our hearts are clean, yes. But I can say categorically that not every one of us here might have a pure heart. That is not to say we will not make heaven. That is not to say we will not talk to God and, you know, God will not talk to us. That is not to say we will not pray and get responses to our prayers. But God is calling us up to a deeper place. Because remember, remember, when he created us from the beginning of the earth, he had a picture in mind that we would be like his son, Christ. That we would be like the Christ. So in other words, you know, until we get to that place where we have seen the Christ and we look like Christ, you know, we have not yet attained what God had destined for us. The Bible says that he predestined us to be his children just as Christ is. Just as Christ is. So no, no less, no difference. Keep that in mind this morning. A clean heart is not a pure heart. The question now is, why? Why a pure heart? Why a pure heart? Am I, is it not good enough that I have a clean heart? I'm going to make heaven all the way, like all the same, you know? I can make heaven with a clean heart. I can pray to God and he answers my prayers with a clean heart. I can serve the purposes of God, you know, service in, in the house of God like PL spoke about with a clean heart. You know, I can do all that. But this is where the challenge comes in. This is where the challenge comes in. A heart that is not pure is bound to get distracted. A heart that is not pure is bound to get sidelined. And when I get to the definition of a pure heart, you understand where I'm going with this message. A heart that is not pure will definitely, definitely, in this our days and time, 
if it was in the days of the Bible, maybe, 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 just maybe, you were good enough getting away with a clean heart. Maybe. But in this generation, where the devil is fighting tooth and nail, to use everything possible to take God's children away from... Now, now he's not saying take, come out from the church. Stay in church. You know, continue, you know, doing what you're doing in church. Continue being the pastor in church. But also, you know, let these one or two things stay there. You know, I believe God is calling us to more. There are a couple of scriptures that we're going to look at. And then we'll go on to the definition. I will try to um, make use of my time, this time wisely, so that um, uh, the message is passed across in the barest minimum time. Uh, Matthew 5, 5. Matthew 5, 5, the Beatitudes, Jesus teaching um, by the lake. Matthew 5, 5, he said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, this is the word himself, the one who was the word in the beginning, and who is still the word, by the way. He had to tell us, he had to let us know, that it is those who have a pure heart that end up seeing God. It is those who have a pure heart that end up seeing the Christ. Now, this is not referring to you have a pure heart and then you make rapture. If you don't have a pure heart, you wouldn't make, you know, you wouldn't see God. No. Jesus was speaking to, you know, seeing God in all his fullness. Jesus was saying that it is only those who seek God, who have a pure heart, that will see God as he is. Example, Moses. Moses um, came up to, I believe it's Mount Sinai. Forgive me if I'm mixing up um, names here. Moses came up to the mountain and, you know, had a conversation with God. And he said, God, show me your face. You know, show me your face. The Bible recorded that Moses was the meekest man on the earth. Well, like Pili said, he was the one writing it. So obviously he could write about himself. He's the meekest man. But, you know, God honored Moses. I'm sorry, really. When you, when you read these things and you, and you sit on it and you, you know, meditate on it, you begin to ask yourself, like, come with this guy. What's up? Like, you're writing, okay, I can meet you. I can write about myself now. The, you know, but let's not go there. Anyways, um, you know, Moses asked God a question. Show me your face. You know, and God responded kindly, gently. No man sees my face and leave. But, you know, I'll hide you in this corner. And I will pass by and you will see my goodness. You know, if God did not think Moses had the kind of heart or the attributes or the characteristics or what makes up a pure heart, I don't believe God would have revealed himself to him front or back or side, whichever way. But the Bible says, speaking of Moses, that he made his ways known to Moses. You do not reveal secrets. The God that I know will not reveal some secrets to mere men there has to be something there has to be something and that something is what we are going to dissect today the spirit of the lord helping us okay pure in heart will see god the the greek sorry there's going to be a lot of because this is a discussion this is a not a discussion this is a one-sided discussion forgive me but there's going to be a lot of explanation of the terms that were that were used in the bible so that we get an understanding of what the writers or what the Spirit of God was saying in the passages that we read. See there, the Greek word used is horaho, 
horaho, and it means experience, perceive, discern. Those who have a pure heart will experience God, will discern God, and will perceive God whenever God reveals himself to them. Okay? Psalms, 23, Psalms 24 verses 3 to 4. Psalms 24 verses 3 to 4. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord or who may stand in his holy place? Verse 4. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. Who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. Who will come into close proximity to the presence of God? Who will come into close proximity? In other words, you're not worshipping from afar. You're not, you're not talking to your father from a distance. You have that, you know, you are able to come to God. Ah, who will come to God? Who will ascend the hill? Please put that scripture back up. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. You know, the psalmist did not say he who had a clean, clean hands and clean heart. You know, let us understand that the Bible is complete. God has a way of communicating his principles to man. There's no bending, there's no twisting. Clean hands, pure heart is not the same thing as clean hands, clean heart. Okay, fine. With a clean heart, you can come to God. The Bible says Jesus is the way, the truth and the life, right? Anyone who must come to God must come through the Christ. But there is an even, there is an even deeper, there's an even, you know, closer relationship that God is calling us to. And he's saying for you to experience this relationship, for you to experience this closeness, you must have a pure heart. You must have a pure heart. James 4, 8. James 4, 8. That's the last um, scripture we'll look at before we go into pure heart. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your heart, you sinners, and purify. Sorry, cleanse your, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your heart, you double-minded. Double-minded, two minds, wavering. Your hair, you're there. Your heart, you're here, you're there. And this, this verse, excuse me, this verse leads me into the definition of a pure heart. So, if you want to write this down, go ahead to write down. A pure heart is a heart that has a single purpose. A single purpose. A pure heart is a heart that has a single purpose. And that purpose, God. And God alone. Not God and maybe my husband. Not God and my children. Not God and anything else. But God and God alone. Illustration. Um, gold. I'm not a gold wearer, so I really don't know carrots and things like that. For, for those of us gold wearers in the house, please forgive me. If I... <laughs> so, you know, gold. For gold to become gold. I don't know if they sell 100% gold. I don't know. But I'm assuming this, they do. Thank you. So 100% gold is composed of one thing and one thing alone. What is it? 100% gold is composed of gold and gold alone. When James, when James is telling us, he says, uh, purify your heart, you double-minded people. What he's alluding is to is the fact that, you know, James is alluding to the fact that we need to be 
a people that are single-minded, keeping our eyes on God, drawing near to God. It's not enough to cleanse your heart. Your mind, sorry, it's not enough to clean your hands. Your mind also has to be clean. Your mind also has to be purified to the degree that there is only God and God alone. If anybody comes to dissect your heart and search your heart, that it is only God that they will find. A pure heart is a heart that is inclined to doing all for God's glory. Everything that you do is centered around this God, this deity that we call God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whatever you do, whatever you do, whether you are sleeping or you are eating or, or you're playing, no, or you're crying, no, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Not to man, not to self, not to husband, not to children, not to, you know, Instagram followers, but to the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Another definition I have here is that a pure heart is a heart that pursues God and desires God alone. A pure heart is a heart that pursues God and desires God alone. You are grateful for his hand. You are grateful for the many blessings that he gives. But that is not what you are looking for. When you come into his presence, when you come into that secret place, it's not his hand you're looking for. You're looking for his face. You are grateful for his hand, yes. You are grateful for the gift he gives, yes. But it is his heart you want to hear. It is his face you want to see. It is his words you want to hear. A pure heart that is focused on pursuing God and God alone. Now, when I speak of heart, I'm not, we all know by now when we're, when we're saying heart, we're not referring to the human heart pumping blood. That's not the heart we're talking about. I will clarify that in case there's someone here who, um, or listening online, who does not, um, who, who, who is, you know, attributing this to the physical human heart. This is not the physical human heart. This is the heart in this passage, in the passages or the scriptures that we are reading today is basically referring to our soul, our soul, our mind, our soul, which is made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions. Our soul, which is made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions. So then when I say, um, or when the scripture says it is those that are pure in heart that will see God, what, what Jesus is then saying is those who, who, um, whose intentions are driven by the desires of God, whose um, actions are driven by the desires of God, whose thoughts are on God and God alone. Everything that, you know, everything that goes on about them is centered on God and God alone. There's some verses here. We're not, we're not going to read them, but it's just to buttress the point that um, we're speaking of um, the hearts that we're referring to is made up of the soul, the mind. I'm sorry, it's made up of the mind, emotion, and will. We're not going to read it for time, but you can write it down if you want to. Matthew 9, 4 um, speaks to our mind. If you look at uh, that passage, Jesus was asking them, um, was asking them a question about what um, they, they, they were thinking in their hearts. But 
you, you don't think with your heart in physical terms, the way we know um, uh, biology. You don't think with your heart. You think with your mind. So then this just goes to buttress the point that, um, you know, the Bible is speaking of the mind. John 16, 22 um, points to emotion. And then Acts eleven twenty three points to the will. We don't need to turn to the scriptures, but note them down. It's just to buttress the fact that when we are speaking about the heart in this context, we are basically referring to our soul, wherein our will, our emotions, and our mind lies. Okay? Now we're going on to, the, to another important um, aspect of the message. The process of purification. The process of purification. Holy Spirit, help me here because uh, Exodus 3, 1 to 10. It's a long read. Exodus 3, 1 to 10. I was about to shout, Uncle, stop making noise. I forgot I'm standing here. <laughs> Exodus 3, 1 to 10. Okay, for those of you who are wondering, Uncle, Uncle is my, is it four months old, five months old, or six months old baby? I don't, I've lost count. I don't even count again. Okay, um, Exodus 3, 1 to 10. Now Moses was tending the flock of, of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Verse 2. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Verse 3. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush does not burn. Verse 4. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he answered, and he said, here I am. Verse 5. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take, off your, sand take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Verse 8. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from, and to bring them up from that land, to a good and a large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen this oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. The process of purification, Holy Spirit, help us. We yield our hearts to you as you begin to do your work in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Process of purification. Let us go back to verse 2 of that passage. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Verse 3 is a verse of emphasis. Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why, why the bush does not burn. 
I'm going to do a small drama here. I need a volunteer. Who is, who is brave enough to show up on, on TV? Shay, come up, come up, Shay. <laughs> Thank you, Shay. Okay, so just stand there, okay? I need your face. So, Shay, Shay, you can actually respond while you're backing me, so it's fine. Shay, right. Shay, right. Shay, okay, thank you very much. Now, <laughs> so, do you all see what happened here, all right? Now, Shay was, she had her back to me, okay, and I called on Shay. She responded, yeah, but did she give me any attention? Did she turn around to look at me? Did she show me by her posture that she had responded to me? I heard her voice. I heard the words she said. I heard her say yes. I heard her say yeah. But her posture was one of ignorance. Like ignoring, sorry, not, not ignorance in that aspect, but ignoring me, right? In verse 3, Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight while the bush does not burn. If we look at verse 2, please let's go back to verse 2. We'll keep going back and forth. The Spirit of the Lord will help us this morning. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire. The angel of the Lord appeared to him. In other words, God himself compelled Moses to come to him. God himself attracted Moses to come to him. He caused that God showed up. In the backside of the desert where Moses was. That's that, that, partic- that, that verse 1. Verse 1 is a whole sermon in itself. We're not going there. In verse 2, God showed up. Moses had positioned himself. He was in a place where God could meet him and reveal himself to him. Moses was in that place. Now God compelled Moses by revealing, by, 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 by showing him something. God showed Moses something. Um showed him the fire, the fire that was burning. And Moses, the Bible says in verse 3, Moses turned and looked. Two things that are, two steps, or rather two steps I'm going to call out here, two steps that I believe are, um, are critical if we will begin this journey with God to a pure heart. Two steps that are critical if we will be- begin this journey to God with a pure heart. The first one being turn to the Lord. Turn to the Lord. If we look at the illustration with Shay, if Shay had not turned around, you know, like if she had not changed her posture and responded accurately, I probably wouldn't have, you know, told her what it is I wanted to tell her or show her what it is I wanted to show her. But because now I knew that I had her full attention, I could easily communicate to her what I wanted to tell her. Most of us, the spirit of the Lord compels us to come, but we stand where we are and we are like, I hear you, God. I hear you, God. I hear you, God. I hear you, God. You know, and we are like, God, I hear you. And we are blasting in tongues and expecting, you know, things to happen. But we are like this. And God is like this. God, he, he will wait for you. He will wait. He will wait. But don't make him wait too long. Don't make God wait too long. God will compel you to come to him. I strongly believe that just by hearing this message alone, the Spirit of the Lord is compelling us to come to him. He's compelling us to come to that place where he begins the process of purification. Because purification in itself, it's a process. It is a process. I don't believe it is one and done. 
It is a process. God compels you to come to him. John 6.37. John 6.37. All that the Father gives me will come to me. All that the Father gives me will come to me. Jesus is so sure that the Father has given some people to him. And he knows, he knows that these people will come to him. John 10, 27. Let's look at John 10, 27. It says, my sheep hear my voice. In other words, he is calling. He is calling. Before the sheep can hear the voice, he has to compel them. Okay? Now, this process of purification will, will you know, inquire that, will require that we are compelled by the Spirit of God. And make no mistake, He is compelling us by the words we hear when, in, in the place of prayer, the words we hear when we listen to the Word, when we listen to messages, when we spend time with Him, or when we meditate on Scripture. He is compelling us to come to Him. He is compelling us to come to Him. But what is important what is important is that we do not ignore, we do not sit there where he's compelling us and we are not responding. The Bible says in Exodus that we read, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 3, says, Moses said to himself, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. The Lord compelled Moses to come to him and Moses responded by turning and giving God his full attention. The Lord compelled Moses to come to him. I'll say that again. And Moses responded by turning to give God full attention. Moses responded. Moses responded. God compels you to come to him. The second part is that you must respond to that call. My sheep hear my voice, Jesus said. And they know me. And they respond. My sheep hear my voice. They respond. All who, who, all who the Father um, has given to me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. If the Father is calling, then there's a reason he's calling. And if he's calling, then he expects that you will respond. So if he's calling and you're not responding, you remain where you are. Because he will not move forward with you. He will not move forward with me until he has my full attention. God has to know that he has my full attention. He needs my full attention. And I hope this is making sense. The second part, the second part of the purification process, the second part of the purification process. Now, I'm just going to butt in here and say that there might be more steps to this. I am, in no, I am by no means a Bible scholar. I am only um, relaying the message as it was given to me. Okay? The second step of this purification process is also very important okay yield yourself to the lord yield yourself to the lord god can compel you to come to him you can turn around and respond to him but you can choose to walk away in obedience and in disobedience you can choose to just stand there and not you know do what he's asked you to do you can choose to just stand there and just be like God, I don't want to do this. This thing you're asking me to do, I don't want to do this. God told Moses in verse 10, come now and, you know, go to go um, Exodus 3.10. If you want to put up that scripture so that I don't um, misquote it. It said, come now therefore and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, why did Moses run out of Egypt in the first place? Can anyone remember? 
Why did Moses leave Egypt? Because he murdered someone, right? And then the next day, he saw two Israelites fighting. And he was like, my brothers, why, why are you fighting? What was the response from the men? But there was something else they said. There was something else they said. Thank you. Who made you judge over us? Now God is telling Moses, come back and go back to Egypt and be judge over them. My brother and my sister, if it were you, will you go? You know, but this is where, this is where, you know, <laughs> God will help us. Because really, really, the things that God desires for us, from a human, human beings are wired in a certain way. We are wired in a certain way. The things we want, sometimes it's not what, you know, it's not in alignment with what God wants. So then we find that we are, we are refusing to yield because we are scared that he will send us to Afghanistan. You know? And it's no crime to go to Afghanistan. It's not a crime. Because the God that will take you there will keep you. And if he takes you, like A.W. Toza will say, it's either I, you know, I have in, he, he, he hated flying. So he would say, well, God, now I'm on the plane. So it's one of two things. Either I arrive in Chicago or arrive in glory. Whichever one I'm fine. <laughs> you know, so if God sends you to Afghanistan, you either go to Afghanistan or you go to heaven. Whichever one, it's fine. Because you're rest assured of where you're going unless you don't know where you're going. Unless you don't know where you're going. But let's, let's get serious. Yield yourself to God. Yield yourself to God. Again, yielding yourself to God, I'll split it in two. The first part, submit to God. Submit to God. Exodus 3.5. Exodus 3.5. Then God spoke to Moses, do not draw near this place. Take off your sandals. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place where you stand is holy ground. The place where you stand is, is holy ground. Now, Bible scholars will say that, you know, the, the act or the exercise of taking off one's shoes is a sign of submission is a sign of respect, is a sign of yielding to, you know, whoever it is that you have come before. So when God told Moses, take off your shoes, God was not telling Moses, take off your shoes because, um, you know, I don't like to see you wear shoes. God was telling Moses, take off your shoes as an act of submission to me, to my person. Take off your shoes because where you are, is holy. You are in my presence and my presence is holy. You ought to submit. That's literally what God was telling Moses. And that is what God is telling us as many of us that would choose to walk this journey with him. Take off your shoes. Please don't take off your shoes. shoes. But <laughs> take, off, take off your shoes. Submit to God. Be willing, ready to obey his will. Be willing, be ready to walk with him. In this place of submission, God will show you plenty. In this place of submission, God will show you plenty. And you know what? I will be lying if I tell you you would like what you see. Because you might not like some of the things you see. In this place of submission, God can tell you, see eh? You know that thing that you did yesterday that you said you thought it was humility. That was actually pride. And you not be like me, proud. Ah, God, 
But I carry everybody's bag. I call everybody man, sir, even though they are old enough to be my children. And I kneel down for everybody. I'm not a bright person. I'm not a proud person. Excuse my French. But God is showing you that there's something there that needs to yield. There's something there that needs to submit. God is showing you that something there has to be dealt with. If you would walk this journey with me, something has to be dealt with. Be quick to repent of whatever it is he shows to you. Be quick to repent of whatever God shows to you in that place. Again, purification, this purification process is a journey. Okay? You will think you're done. You know, all is well and good. God is the one you seek. God has your heart. And then when you come to him, you're done with that issue of pride. And then he's like, see, this thing you did, it's, it's as though you are sowing strife. It might not have been intentional, but you did it. You need to fix it. You need to change it. You know, I remember one day I was like praying. See, he came to me as a shock. Oh. <laughs> I say this thing every time. And every time I say it, I laugh. I, well, I don't laugh, laugh, but, you know, I'm like, God, help me. I was praying. Um, there was a particular song. I can't remember the song. Um, I can't remember the song, but I was singing the song. It was more of a prayer about, you know, the glory of God. And then, so that was a vigil. Had a night vigil. Um, finished the vigil, went to sleep. And in that sleep, three consecutive sins, I was a troublemaker. <laughs> I was a troublemaker. Like, people step on my toes and I gave them fire for fire, you know? And when I woke up, as I woke up, the first thing I heard was, be an instrument of peace. I was like, God, I'm not a troublemaker now. It's not fair. Why are you doing me like this? You know, why are you doing me like this? But like Ajax will say, don't be ashamed of what God shows you. Don't be ashamed of what God reveals to you. That thing is revealed in love because God is doing, he wants to do a work in you. So I'm like, okay, God, please help me. Forgive me and help me to be an instrument of peace. But man, the Lord is good. <laughs> this, the second part, the second part to yielding to the Lord is also very important. I keep saying important, important, important. The truth is everything that we've spoken about today is important. You know, treat everything as important. Obey his instructions. Obey his instructions. God told Moses in Exodus 3.10, Come now and I will send you to Pharaoh that you will deliver these people. You may bring my people out. The same people that have you know, accused you of being judged, who made you judge over them. You are now going to bring them out. And Moses obeyed. Through all the nonsense that the children of Israel you know, showed him in the wilderness, Moses obeyed. Moses obeyed. 2 Corinthians 3.18 2 Corinthians 3.18, I'm just going to read out that scripture and then I'll point out two things that the Spirit of God called out to me from that scripture. It says, but we all with unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror the glory of God, we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of God. We are being transformed. Now we are beholding in the, in, in the mirror an image, um, a glory of God, the glory of God, which is the Christ himself. We are beholding. Now he has been revealed to us, okay? Christ has been revealed to us because our hearts are pure, because we choose to seek God, because it is God and God alone. He's revealed Christ to us. We behold him in that place of prayer. But here's also 
also the, something that is important. It says, we are being transformed into the same image that we see. And the Holy Spirit called out that our becoming like him is hinged on our obedience to him. You cannot become like Christ if you do not obey the instructions or obey God's instructions to you. It is impossible. Four syllables. Impossible. It will not happen. You can quote this scripture from morning to night. Declare it from the beginning of January 2021 to 2020, uh, December 2020, whatever. If you do not walk in obedience, if you do not walk in obedience based on what you see, there will be no transformation. There will be no change. The second thing the Holy Spirit pointed out here is that God will not just show you the truth, but he will instruct you on what you must do in order to become what you see. God will instruct you on what you must do in order to become what you see. Okay. I think now that I've put all this information out there, you, the question that you might be asking yourself now is, okay, how does this tie into mental health? What has a pure heart got to do with mental health? Put up Isaiah 26, 3 to 4 again. The, uh, amplified version this time if you can. Isaiah 26, 3 to 4 in the Amplified. Isaiah 26. Okay, I'm going to read that from my phone in the interest of time. I'm reading from the Amplified. It says, you will keep in perfect peace. And Sorry. You will keep in perfect and constant peace. The one whose mind is steadfast, that is committed and focused on you in both inclination and in character. Did we hear that? Did we hear that? You will keep in perfect peace and constant peace. The one whose mind is steadfast, committed, and focused on you in both inclination and in character because he trusts in you. Because he trusts and takes refuge in you. One who is steadfast, whose mind is steadfast, focused on God and God alone. At the end of last week's service, PD um, summarized by showing us, you know, three circles of life. Okay? Do we remember th those three circles of life? What are they? Perfect. PD, we're all learning. See? You should be proud of us. <laughs> Circle of life. Circle of life. Circle of self. Sorry, life of circle of yeah, circle of self, circle of people, and then God. You know, God, life of life for God, life for people, life for self. Now here's what here's why we must have a pure heart. And sorry, before I go into that, we remember how um, PD tried to map map the relationship between all three circles. How you know you cannot you know, live for self and live for God. How you cannot live for people and live for God. How you can live for God and then you're able to form that life flow out into living for people. When you are focused on God, when God is your all in all, when God is number one and only one in your heart, 
you will not be, there will be no form of imbalance. There will be no form of imbalance. You know why? Because everything that will threaten to bring about, see, God, see, God, God likes his position, no? God likes his position. Shay, the devil wanted to take his place. And it's not even God that fought. God is too big for that. It's not God that fought the devil out of heaven. It was the angels that fought the devil out of heaven. Anything that will attempt to take God's place in your life. When he knows. See, God is looking for men who are pure in heart. Why do you think he loved David so much? Why do you think he, 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 he was friends with Moses? God is looking for men. Women who are pure in heart. And when he finds that one, anything that will threaten to take his place, he will, th he will deal with it. He will deal with it. God will deal with everything that threatens to take his, his place. Anything that threatens to steal your peace, God will deal with it. Okay? Secondly, when you choose to seek God, when your pursuit is God and God alone, God will not just reveal himself to you. He will not just reveal himself to you. He will also his, reveal his plans to you. Because you have yielded to him, he has room to execute these plans through your life. Now, let's ignore the, the, the life of self. Because the life of self is an absolutely selfish, you know, myopic life where you know one tends to focus on bread and butter for me and my family and the rest of the world can go and hang and we move on and we're good let's ignore that circle and pray that you know none of us will ever live our lives in that circle that we will understand that there is more that I am more in Christ and not just for me not just I'm not here for myself I'm here for a generation May God help us in Jesus' name. Now let us focus on the two circles the circle um, the life of people life for people and life for self, okay? Now, PD explained how people try to live for people and they still end up with this imbalance as though there is a gap in their hearts that cannot be filled because they, they, they thought that by, you know, doing some philanthropic work and all, you know, peace comes, all is good, we're moving on. But you hear stories about those same people who get up and commit suicide tomorrow or who end up in depression. That imbalance is still there because their heart is not pure because they did not seek the one and the one alone whom they should be seeking. Now, backtrack to this, this circle, this life for God, where your focus is God and God alone. Anything that comes in or attempts to come in to shake this, you know, shake you where God is seated on the throne, God will take care of it. But what is also most important is that when you are all for God, when all that pertains, when, you know, your heart is, you know, sold out in pursuit for God or of, of God, it will get to a point where God is not just revealing himself to you. He's gone more than revealing himself to you. Now he's taking you to this other place where people are beginning to see him in you. This place is one place. And by this place, I'm referring to the circle where, you know, we live for God. Is that place where, you know, there is absolutely nothing that can tip you over. There is nothing that can cause any form of depression. Who, who born them? Where then they? 
You know, there is nothing, nothing. When we live for God, when we seek God, when God has the utmost, you know, when God has the throne of our lives, when God has, you know, our entire heart, where it is him and him alone that we seek. Jeremiah 29, um, is it verse 13, I believe. He says, and you will go and then come to me. And then he says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Prophet, Jer uh, Prophet Jeremiah was not, you know, I don't think he was just writing words. I think he was, you know, telling us that this is the key to finding God. If you must see God, if you must know God, if you must have that, you know, relationship with God, it must be God and God alone that you seek. Unfortunately, in today's world, we find ourselves seeking God and something else. And it's by no means our fault. It's the way we are wired. It's the way we are wired. But this word is coming to us this morning because the Lord wants to transform us. You know, I believe there's grace in the house to seek God and God alone. For as many, as many that desires to keep their eyes stayed on him. As many that desires to keep, to remain steadfast, focused on him, regardless of what the shaking is going on around. As many that desire to keep their hearts pure, God and God alone in that heart, grace is available. Grace is available. God will not ask you to do what he will not empower you to do. I strongly believe God will not ask you to do what he will not empower you to do. The spirit of the Lord will help us. In the name of Jesus, let us rise up. Father, we bless you. Just give God praise for the word that you have heard. First of all, give God praise for the word that you have heard. Before we go into um, prayers, first I just want to ask if there's anyone in the room, if there's anyone who um, you, 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 contact, you connected to us because, you know, you felt you are in this place where there's some sort of, you know, um, mental issues or mental disarray. You've connected to this message, uh, to us as a people. And you, you, maybe you've gone places and it seems to be that there's no resolution. Okay? You are welcome. We're glad to have you here. But I'd like for you to know first things first. The Bible tells us Jesus is the way. Before we can even begin to come into that process where we're talking about purification. Before we can even begin to talk about a pure heart. There must first be a clean heart. And that clean heart can only come about by way of um, inviting Jesus. By way of surrendering your life to Christ. And inviting him to come and take his place as your Lord. It is him coming into your life that brings about that clean heart. Excuse me, if there's anyone on, um, on here this morning, if there's anyone listening to us, connecting with us online, and you are not a Christian, you are not born again, you do not have Jesus in your life, 
first of all, I want to let you know, you do not have a clean heart. So we cannot be talking about a pure heart if your heart is not clean. The Spirit of the Lord is in the house this morning. And he who brought you here, he has already begun that work in you. I urge you this morning to give him room to begin, you know, to, to complete that which he has started. So that he can bring you into this next phase of life which the Father has predestined for you from the beginning of the world. In the name of Jesus, if you are here... If you are here, I just want you to put your hands on your chest and just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you. I acknowledge that I am a sinner. I acknowledge that I am a sinner. I acknowledge that I have fallen short of your glory. But I thank you for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. The blood that was shed on the cross of Calvary, Calvary's, the blood that cleanses me. And so this morning, I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I confess with my mouth that he is my Lord and my Savior. I surrender my life to you, Lord. And I invite you, Jesus, to come and take over my life. As you give me your life, I become a new man. As you give me your life, I am forever changed and I live for your glory alone. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Father, I lift up these ones before you as many, as many that have confessed Jesus as their Lord this morning. I pray for them that their lives will never remain the same. Today is the beginning of the rest of their lives in Christ and Christ alone. In the name of Jesus, I pray for them that they will not go back. Rather, they will be ones that will point others. They will be a signpost pointing others to Christ, showing others the way to the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus spirit of God take over and begin to do that which you only you can do in the lives of this ones in Jesus name we pray amen for every one of us there was a song that I I um we used to sing in secondary school I don't know who um, how many of us will know the song it says Lord I'll sing the song it says Lord make me pure in heart make my heart faithful and true so when you look at me, it's your righteousness you see. Lord, make me pure in heart. That's going to be our prayer this morning. Because like I said, God will compel you to come to him. I know that every one of us here will not respond to that call. But I pray, I pray that every one of us will respond. That as he compels us to come, we will begin this journey into depth with him. In the name of Jesus. Jeremiah 32 verse 39. Jeremiah 32 verse 39. I'm reading from the complete Jewish Bible. And I'm reading this from a different version just to help us understand that it is God that empowers us. This, this journey you cannot take on your own. It is God that will empower you. It says, and I will give them singleness of heart and singleness of purpose. Singleness of heart meaning I will give you a pure heart and I will give you a purpose. That purpose will be me. Me and me alone. Me being God says, I will give them singleness of heart and singleness of purpose so that they will fear me forever. And then look at the continuation part. It says, for, it says this will be for their own good and for the good of their children after them. See, God, had us, God has us in mind in this season. God has us in mind in this season. And we're going to pray, God, make me pure in heart. Give me a pure heart. In the name of Jesus, 
la kebra hado kasta hamanisanda lezedebo kori bahajatali kados radhania kabajatia kos dahani masa lebra katetebo kos di balizanda gede lajmandi kari bragas dahani kaza lezende de 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 bakadosa la ye kebra hasikatosiba Lord we pray as a people as individuals you will give us a pure heart give us a singleness of heart that it is you and you alone that we will pursue that it is you and you alone that we will seek in the name of Jesus give us a pure heart give us a singleness of heart make our hearts pure for you and you alone in the name of Jesus for any one of us that might be struggling in the area of obedience for any one of us that might be struggling to yield in this season Lord we pray for grace in the name of Jesus when we are compelled to come Lord we will respond when we come we will yield when we yield we will obey in the name of Jesus we are a people whom you've given the singleness of heart singleness of purpose that purpose being you and you alone father we thank you we bless you we give you praise thank you for what you are doing in this season thank you heavenly father because Jesus will be glorified in our lives and men will see your glory in our lives and be transformed in jesus name we pray amen and amen thank you so much for joining us today we hope you've been blessed by the sermon and if you would love to be a part of what god is doing in our midst feel free to join us on sundays at 10 a.m or wednesdays at 7 p.m to be a part of the giving you can give our email at info, I-N-F-O, at KICCCanada.ca or through our website at www.kicccanada.ca slash donate. God is doing amazing things in our midst and we look forward to seeing you soon. Remember you are a champion. God bless you.